Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning. Welcome to Lex City Church. You guys awake out there this morning? Make some noise. There we go. 11.30, the rowdy crowd. Um, well, my, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. And before we get into the last week uh, of our series on names of God, I just want to take a second and talk about What's happening next Sunday, we're really excited about the staff's been envisioning this and praying through it and meeting together and planning for it for a long time. And we're really excited about what we're calling City Reach Sunday next Sunday. We do a lot of City Reach Saturdays throughout the year where we go and we partner with some of our partners in the community and do a lot of things. And, and so I'm wearing my City Reach shirt to promo. On the back it says for Lexington. It's not just a phrase. It's a core value of who we are as a church. And so I want to encourage you guys, next Sunday, be here. Don't take the Sunday off. If you're in town be here next Sunday because we, the church is gonna leave the building in full force and we're gonna go just love on this school, Lansdowne Elementary, it's a partner school nearby. We're gonna give away a backpack full of school supplies to every single student and every single family that calls Lansdowne Elementary their home. We just wanna show up in full force and go, hey, we're here for you, we love you, and this is the church, leaving the church and being the church in the community. And so I wanna encourage you guys, go to lexcity.info, get signed up for a position to serve there. You can also not sign up and just show up next week and we'll figure it out, it's not a problem. We'll have some people here doing school supplies and a lot of us will go over to the school, but whether you have kids of any age, it's a great way to invest and, and teach your kids how to serve together with your family. So be here next Sunday. It's gonna be an amazing, amazing time. You can go to legacy.info, click learn more on Theory Sunday. Or you can also give, because it obviously costs a lot to, uh, to make sure that we have school supplies for everyone in the community. So if you wanna give towards our Midsome Outreach budget, we'd love for you to do that as well. Above and beyond your normal giving, you can do that on legacy.info um, right there. And so, well, Today we are closing out uh, the whole summer series. We've been talking about Summer at Lake City, Names of God, with the kind of the hope and the prayer would be as we begin to look at the attributes of God, that we understand him better and how we can draw closer to him through this series. So you can go to Lexi.info, click on message notes. There's a lot of them today. So make sure you get on your phone, get on there, and we're gonna do this together. And so, so today we're gonna be studying a pretty common name of God in the English translation. You maybe haven't heard the Hebrew version of it. Um, but the name is Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord is my shepherd. You probably heard that phrase before. We're going to be talking about Psalms 23 today. It's just six verses. We're going to kind of unpack it together um, as we go today. And so here we go, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this is a psalm um, from David, or, or a song from David, and so David, you guys know David, who basically overnight went from being a shepherd boy to a warrior, where God gave him the strength to defeat the, the giant Goliath. This is the same David, but now he's a much older man, a much wiser man. He's writing, he's reflecting on his life, and he's walking through all of this, and he gets inspired and motivated to write these words down. And just like any good song you hear on the radio, the best ones that we seem to connect with the most are when they're walking through a personal experience when we're we're walking through their life. And this is David, because David was a shepherd, so he can relate to what he's saying here. And he's kind of unpacking his whole life 
in, in this year. And so I can just see David thinking about his life, remembering when he was a shepherd and when he was tending to his father's sheep and he used to have to beat away lions and bears and protect his sheep. And he's looking back and he's going, in turn, God protected David in his life as well. When David was being overlooked to be the next king of Israel because of his youth and his size and his stature, God exalted him. When David fought Goliath, God strengthened him. When David's best friend Jonathan passed away, God comforted him. And when David was, conf- when, when David, uh, was conf- got wrapped up in an affair with a woman named Bathsheba, God corrected him. When God used Nathan to come alongside of him, a prophet, and kind of say, David, what are you doing? And then God, and then David um, repented of that. God forgave him. And then when David became king of Israel, God blessed him beyond measure. And so everything about Psalm 23 and everything about this particular name of God was born right out of David's own life and his own experience. And so I know some of you, when you hear that verse, you realize that some of you thought this was written by the great theologian Coolio in his song, Gangster's Paradise, but it wasn't, all right? This is David reflecting over his life in Psalm 23. So we're gonna break down these six verses together today. And so the name of God actually happens right away in the first verse. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, or Jehovah Rohi. So if David calls God his shepherd, then what is that applying about David? What is David then? A sheep, right? And so all of us that call ourselves believers, we are actually sheep, all right? And so the Lord identifies the sheep all throughout scripture. It says in Isaiah 53, verse six, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And then in Psalm 79, 13, it says, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will praise you forever. These are just a couple of verses, but all throughout scripture, we are referred to as sheep and that God is our shepherd. It's not exactly a compliment. If you know sheep at all, they're not the smartest of animals. In fact, they're one of the dumbest animals that God created in sheep. And so we're gonna take some time and compare ourselves to sheep and see why God would do that today. And so first of all, this picture, this is you and I. We are sheep. This is us right here, okay? This next picture is us and our Instagram selfie right here. This is us showing off. There it is. And so we're going to take a moment, and I'm going to give you guys some sheep facts if you don't know much about sheep. Number one is this. Sheep are senseless. They're senseless. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how to get there. They can't find their own water. They can't find their own food. When they get lost, they can't find their way back home. And so when one sheep moves, they just follow in a herd or in a flock together. In fact, there was an article in the USA Today a few years ago about, about a 1,500 sheep flock out in Turkey. And one sheep walked up to the edge of a cliff and said, I'm, I think this is a good idea. I'm gonna jump with no parachute and see what happens. And so he jumped and the, the, the other 1,500 followed him. And so all 1,500 of them jumped off this cliff. The crazy part is only 450 of them died. Do you know Why? Because the next thousand were basically jumping onto a cloud of wool and sheep, and they lived. But this is how senseless sheeps are. They'll just follow wherever the other sheep lead. Number two, sheep are defenseless. So as you guys know, most animals were kind of like, have like a built-in def- defense mechanism. Like maybe they can change their color. Maybe they have sharp teeth. Maybe they can run really fast. Maybe they can swim underwater. Sheep didn't get any of that. When a predator comes, all they do is get together in a group and then just make a bunch of bleeding sounds. And that's their defense, which is not much of a defense. In fact, when most sheep fall over on their back, they can't even get up on their own. So they're just chilling until the shepherd comes and helps them back up. So sheep are senseless 
and sheep are defenseless. Number three, sheep are fearful. They're very fearful animals. Only thing they have going on for them is they have exceptional hearing, but with that exceptional hearing brings the fact they can hear everything from a long distance off, and it makes them scared, and they're fearful of all the sounds that they hear. In fact, they, have, they also have um, great peripheral vision. You can see from this picture, their eyes are kind of on the sides of their head, so they can't really see right in front of them. So what they do is they don't walk in a straight line. They walk in a zigzag because they're fearful. So they have one eye like walking so they can see ahead, and the other eye is looking behind them. And so they're walking in a zigzag because they're very, very fearful animals. And number four, sheep are dirty. They're known to be very dirty creatures. They secrete an oil called lanolin oil, and it basically makes them like a walking felt board. So everything they walk by just sticks to them. Brush, feces, other things, like everything sticks to them. So they become very dirty. You can imagine when they contract a little stuff, they become very smelly as well. And so sheep are senseless, they're defenseless, they're fearful, and they're dirty. And if we're being honest, you can see why the Bible compares us to sheep. Because oftentimes we feel those same things. Have you ever felt senseless? Like you just don't know where your life is headed. You just have a general lack of direction in life. Like you don't know who to date or what job to take or what's going to happen next in your life and what next step to take. And you just feel like you have this general lack of direction. It can make you feel a little bit senseless sometimes. I've often felt fearful and defenseless about life or the fear of the unknown or the fear of my future and what's coming next. Like, where will I be in five years? Where will I be in 10 years? If I'm graduating college, am I actually going to get a job in my own field or am I going to work somewhere else? And what am I doing with my life? And I just begin to be fearful and anxious. And just like sheep, we experience this fear. And obviously, spiritually speaking, have you ever felt just kind of dirty? Because of your sin, because of your shame, because of your guilt, and you feel like the sheep and you're walking and all this dirt and all this stuff in your life is just sticking to you. You feel like you can't get rid of it and you begin to feel the shame and this guilt and all these things. And so that's the sheep analogy here and how it compares to people. But enough about sheep, let's talk about the shepherd. Let's see how the Lord operates in our lives and in our world as David makes these different comparisons. He identifies us as sheep in the realm of God's flock, and tells God that he is my shepherd, so we can take great comfort in knowing that God will operate as our shepherd. Let's examine some different attributes today from Psalm 23, as identified by David as the shepherd and talking about uh, this. And so Psalm 23, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I heard that verse as a kid, I was like, I shall not want. That's a weird phrase. It basically just means like, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else in my life. I lack no good thing. I have all that I need. And this tells us about the character of God in a lot of ways. So the first one is this, attributes of Jehovah Rohi, is the Lord provides. He provides. I lack nothing. In verse 2, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So the reason he compares this to he makes me lie down in green pastures is that sheep will not lie down on their own volition until they know that they've been fed by the shepherd and they know the shepherd has secured their environment and they feel safe and then they will lie down. And the next part there, he says, he leads me beside the still waters. If you're a sheep, you don't want to walk up to running water. And I kind of get it. Like, it's kind of like wearing 20 sweaters all the time. So if you get caught in that water, you're going to get, you're going to get swept away. And so this is a picture of a sheep right here, that they found after six years of wandering, 
Funny fact about sheep, their wool literally never stops growing. So can you imagine getting caught up in running water while you're wearing that? Not a good situation. That guy's a goner, right? And so he, he knows this. David knows all of this because he was a shepherd himself. That's why he's able to say, the Lord leads me beside the still waters where I won't get swept away. And then it says in the rest of verse three, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This speaks about the Lord's leadership that he wants to lead in our lives. So that's the second part, the Lord leads. Also in verse three, it says, he restores my soul. Do you ever just come into church or even just during the week and you just feel empty and dry spiritually and you're like, I don't feel like I can hear from God. I don't feel like I even know God. I'm just kind of in this weariness stage, right? This is why he said that he restores my soul. So that's the third one. The Lord, the Lord restores. He restores our dry spirits. He fills us up when we're empty. The, this is God's heart for you. And as your shepherd, he desires to provide, he desires to lead us, he desires to fill us up and restore us. And I believe a major problem, in my opinion today, is that we have given other people and other things the right to be our shepherd. We've replaced God's role in our lives with this by allowing the world and allowing social media and allowing the news and allowing our friends to do those things instead of going to the one that could actually provide and direct and restore our lives. So what do I mean by this? We'll start with the first one. Let's start with our provider. So we're not feeling happy. We're not feeling fulfilled in our lives. And here's how the world attempts to provide and meet those needs. If you'll just get the right job, if you'll just get the right relationship, if you just get the right paycheck, a little, bit, a little bit more money in your pocket, then you'll be happy, then you'll be satisfied, then you'll be fulfilled. And it's easy to buy into the lies of the world. The world says, I can provide you happiness through this relationship, through this job, through this paycheck. When that method and that means was never going to provide that for us. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want anything. I shall lack nothing. He's saying, even if you don't find that perfect person to marry or that perfect job or you're not wealthy enough in your own mind standards, and you feel like you just have you and Jesus, you have enough. You lack nothing. That's all that you need. But our culture and our world t tries to tell us how to be happy and it becomes so easy to sway like the wind with culture. And hear my heart on this. I'm not saying that marriage isn't amazing. It is. I'm not saying that making a great income isn't awesome. It is. Because all those things are. I'm not saying don't pursue your dreams. I'm not saying make a bunch of money. The Bible says that money is not wrong. It says the love of money can lead us to some wrong places. So work hard and pursue your dreams and make money and get married and have kids and do all the things. But if you seek all of those things as the means to ultimate fulfillment, it will leave you empty. I love getting to, to do, uh, perform uh, wedding ceremonies and get to do the premarital counseling with different couples. And I met with an awesome couple this last week that we're doing uh, their wedding in September. And we walked through this thing. It's called the SIMBIS assessment. It stands for saving your marriage before it starts. And it's a great assessment. It walks through all these different areas of what you should look at before you get married. And, and one of the things that, that I love and the takeaways that it has at one of the topics, it says this, it says, your marriage can only be as healthy as the two of you. Meaning if you're putting all of your fulfillment on that person, all of your eggs in that basket to say, this person in my marriage is gonna meet all of my needs. 
this paycheck, this job is going to meet all of my needs. It will leave you empty. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've got everything I need. And the concern I have for our generation is that we allow the noise of culture and the advice of friends that aren't even Christ followers to influence our decisions. And leadership has a lot to do with influence and the noise of our culture and social media and the news can be so loud at times it can make things that are clearly wrong actually seem right. So when people or culture give us advice about who to date or how to vote or how to behave or how to view the world, we are giving over the shepherd role to a different person or different things in our life that have really no business giving us advice or giving us counsel. How many of you guys have friends that they only go to the people that they know are going to agree with them and affirm their predetermined bad decision that they're about to make? As a pastor, I get this all the time, like, this is cool, right? And I'm like, no, it's not cool. And they're like, oh, well, we need to see someone else about this then, right? It happens all the time because we're trying to rely on other things and not the source of God. Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It also says in Proverbs, bad company corrupts good character. If your friends are giving you advice that's contrary to God's word, A, find better friends. B, go to God's word because he's gonna tell you what you actually need to do. David says, I'm giving my shepherd the authority to lead me and not only lead me, but lead me into righteous living, as it says in verse three. So what does it look like practically? It means we gotta spend time in the Bible. We have to know it. We have to apply it. Get into the word. See what it says about culture. See what it says about how to honor him because knowing his word is ultimately what he wants us to lead towards righteous living. He then says, restore, he restores my soul. We can also begin to allow others and our culture to restore our soul instead of Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd. David's saying, I don't wanna run to other methods or people or substances to restore my soul. David's restoring to filling up, the filling up process that God desires when, when you're down, when you're discouraged, when you're feeling empty, when you're feeling dry, go to the Lord. When we think about being on empty, Spiritually, emotionally, physically, it makes me think about, obviously, our gas tanks and our vehicles, which right now, gas is, is not good. And I fully believe there are two types of people in this world. They're going to show this graphic. You can see which one you are. Are you at three quarters of a tank? Oh, my gosh, I need to fill up, like, ASAP. Are you, B, like, on empty, like, I got this. I know my car. I have another day or two left. I got plenty of gas. All right, so if you are A, raise your hand. Responsible people, look around. You guys drive me crazy. All right, so if you're a B, raise your hand. Join me. Come on. Thank you. The rest of us who are like hoping that gas prices will go down the next day, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm just going to wait it out, right? And so I remember uh, I grew up in Nebraska in Omaha, and, and my college roommate and I were going to drive to Colorado one year in college because uh, my aunt and uncle had a condo in Breckenridge, and when they sold that condo, we just owned them because that was all they were good for, but I'm just kidding. But so we love going to Colorado and so, and go skiing and my college roommate and I went and so we had this thing, we called ourselves like kings of the road because we were like, no one's gonna pass us at all. We're gonna make it from Nebraska to Colorado with no one passing us on the interstate and if you ever made that drive before, man, western Nebraska, eastern Colorado, it is, it is terrible. It's awful, it's so boring. Tumbleweeds are literally coming across the interstate and so there's a place there there's not a lot of gas stations. And so we were going and I was like, we can make it, we're good, I know my car. I'm, the, I'm that B person on that, right? 
we didn't make it. We were two miles from the gas station when, when we ran out of gas. So we had to get out of the car. We had to walk two miles. We had to buy a gas tank to fill up. We filled it up. We walked back. We filled it up. We went to Colorado. We had a great trip. And then he decided he was flying from Denver to Atlanta. So I was driving home by myself. And I kid you not, almost at the same mile marker, I ran out of gas again on the way home. It's embarrassing. Like, it just reminds me, like, I am a sheep. I am dumb. Scripture is true. But that is the imagery of this empty tank, of this emptiness that I draw in my head when David says, when you're feeling dry, when you're feeling empty, when you're feeling spiritually run down, go to the Lord to be restored and to no one else. There are different remedies when you're running low, right? When you're running low on physical energy, what do you do? You eat some good food that's high in protein. You eat a protein bar, you drink some water, you drink some Gatorade. Like, and that helps your body feel better. When you're running low on like mental focus and mental energy, they have this amazing invention called caffeine. Where are my coffee addicts in the room? Come on, make some noise. People are holding up the drinks. I love it. That's great. For me, my, 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 uh, my mental focus thing, my vice, my addiction is Coca-Cola. So I will grab a Coca-Cola. And so, but what source do we go to when we're feeling spiritually empty? We can't allow the world to be our shepherd in this area of our lives. I get a firsthand experience with this every single week in our city here in Lexington. Because like our lead pastor, I also do Uber on the side. It's a good side hustle because inflation and kids are expensive and all the things, right? And so I go out on Thursday and Friday and Saturday nights, not every week, but a lot of weekends. And I drive at the, at the crazy hours of like 9 or 10 p.m. to like 2 or 3 in the morning. And so you can imagine the people that I'm driving around the city. And it's been really kind of an incredible ministry and a blessing in my life because I'm an extrovert, so I'm just like talking to everybody. And so they get in the car, and if they don't want to talk, I don't talk. If they want to talk, we engage. And, and, um, and, and I've seen this kind of, the world is my shepherd. The world gives me my advice, the culture, all that. I see it firsthand because it's weird. Like an Uber driver is kind of like a bartender or a counselor. They tell you everything. But they get in the back, and they're like, I'm walking through my divorce right now. It's messy. I have this addiction. They walk me through all this stuff. And I had a guy recently last weekend that was like telling me all this. And he stops. He goes, hey, like, how you feel about like God? Are you like a holy man or something? And I was like, well, I work at a church. I'm a pastor. He's like, are you kidding me? And then, and then we start talking. I got to pray for him at the end of the ride. Because he was using other things to numb his pain. He was going to other sources like so many of us do. And I'm telling you, we gotta stop allowing culture and our friends who don't even know Jesus to dictate our path and direct us and guide us and restore us. That's the job of the shepherd. That's the job of Jehovah Rohi to do that for us. And one of the attributes that David recognized about God as a shepherd is that God is the one who can fill him when he's dry, to restore him when he's on empty, to meet all of his needs. And so where the world presents different means or different methods to find ultimate rest or different modes of peace, the Bible has one mode to find that peace, to find that restoration. It's going to God. It's running to his word. It's studying scripture. It's reading from the Psalms. It's coming to church. It's praying. It's finding people that are like-minded around you to give you wise counsel. Because contrary to popular belief and contrary to popular social media belief, we actually can't find peace within ourselves only. We find peace in the Lord. We become one with the Lord when we are reconciled back to him through a relationship with Jesus. 
This is how David recognizes restoration. Verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So there's two last characteristics of this, of this name of God, Jehovah Rohi, and they are these two things. That the Lord protects and the Lord directs. He says, even though I walk through dark valleys, your rod and, they, and your staff, they comfort me. The Hebrew word for rod is shebet. It means stick, branch, offshoot, or scepter. It would have been used as a tool to fend off predators to protect the sheep. That's why they had that. David says, God, you protect me. The Hebrew word for staff is mishaneth, which translates to staff or support. It's a tool used to round up the flock. It's a stick with a crook on the end. This is what they both look like right here. And so shepherds were like bad dudes, man. They had to take sick care of their stuff. Like they had that basically billy club looking thing to beat off animals, right? And they had the staff because they would use that when the sheep would go off of the flock because they they're dumb animals, right? They would use that staff and they would use the crook around the end of that and they would grab them by the neck and they would lovingly and gently pull them back into the flock. And that's what God does for us. We're doing our best to walk in obedience, right? But we have moments where we make really poor choices. And when we're stressed out and we have anxiety, we don't know what to do and we just make some poor choices, right? The Lord is gracious to us. He takes the staff like a shepherd and he puts it around our neck and he lovingly guides us back in to the fold because he is Jehovah Rohi in our lives. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know right now what valley you may have experienced in your life and your past or maybe what you're walking through right now. Maybe you're walking through a really hard valley in your life right now and you're at the right place. Thanks for showing up today. But we have a great shepherd who wants to protect us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us in all the seasons of our lives. And in verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, runs over. I love that symbolic imagery of the anointing with the head with oil, your cup running over. Sometimes I think as Christ followers, we think that God is just some angry God up in the sky who's waiting for us to mess up because he wants to be frustrated with us. And while God doesn't love our sin, he doesn't love our poor choices at all, man, he loves you and he wants to bless you that he calls his kids, he wants to bless you. And as we close, I just want to distinguish something that kind of helped me as I was processing this this week. And David doesn't say that Jesus is a shepherd. He doesn't even say that Jesus is even the shepherd. He simply and boldly says, the Lord is my shepherd, that I belong to God and God belongs to me. He is my personal shepherd. That is how a person is forgiven of their sin and receives God's free gift of salvation and all that the promises that are found in Psalms 23. It's the personal relationship that we have with Jehovah Roha. Think about it. If all we say is Jesus is a shepherd, then we're putting him on the same line or the same level as other shepherds that they would see as leaders, right? The same level as Buddha or Muhammad or Gandhi or Joseph Smith. If we're saying he's just a shepherd, that's what we're putting him on the level of. And then when we say he's the shepherd, that sounds a lot better. But that can come up short too because there's more to knowing Jesus than knowing that he was just different and unique and special. But when you, when you and I can say like David said with boldness, Jesus is my personal shepherd. Now we've crossed that line of faith 
And we've really unlocked the power of this name, Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. So as we close, do me a favor, just um, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're gonna pray together as we close out today. And maybe you're like me and my week was, it was crazy busy. And there was stress involved and I just didn't have a lot of time to just kind of sit. And we honestly, this message took a long time <laughs> to pull together this week. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Zach, I don't know if Jesus is my personal shepherd. I don't know if I really have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm walked in here and I'm struggling and I'm not finding a lot of hope in my life and I'm, I'm struggling to find purpose. And at the end of the day, I'm just leaving. I'm going to bed at night and, and all I'm worried about is my reputation and my identity and my success. And I'm not really worried about the bigger part that I could play and how God's story can connect with my story. I wanna tell you today right now, if you're feeling that tug in your heart, that is literally God talking to you right now, saying there's a better way, there's a different way. You can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What that means and the power of that verse is that God knows all of my sin, all of my mistakes, all my mess ups, and he knows yours too. And in spite of all of that, he loves you and I unconditionally. No human can say that, no human can offer that. He takes it one step further. He wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. And that can happen for you today, right now. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself any better. He says, come to me right now. Doesn't matter if you're fearful and senseless and dirty and all the things that we are as sheep. He wants a relationship with you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, just in this moment between you and God, if you would say, that's me, I wanna ask Christ to come into my heart today. With no one looking around, just lift your hand up so I can see you. Just lift it up right now so I can pray with you. Just lift it up. Awesome. Anybody else that would say, that's me? Very cool. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer right now. And it's not a magical prayer, but it is a prayer that just connects you to the very heart of God and just say something like this in your own seat or as you're watching online. Just say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living for me. I wanna start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give it up for those that made that decision today? That's an incredible decision. So proud of you. So uh, we just wanna partner with you as a church in this new journey that you have. And, your relationship with Jesus. And so if you wanna to go to Lexi.info, you can click on I prayed right there and we'll send you an email. Or if you're in person, you can grab this uh, little card that just says, life is complicated. We know a guy, it's Jesus. So just fill out that card right there. You can take it to get this free gift in the Welcome Center. It's a book, it's called The Decision. It kind of just walks you through some next steps you can take, has some scripture in here. I just wanna encourage you guys, just tell somebody. It's a big decision. We wanna, we wanna get excited with you and help you as you walk through that. And so. 
Church, as we close out today and we realize that we, we worship a God who's Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, let's stand together as, worship, as we worship here as we close out today. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.